2: Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase.
0: This episode of The Bell Tell Husband produced by our sister podcast, The Indo Daily.
2: Dublin City is cleaning up the aftermath of violent scenes following a night of rioting, clashes with Gardaí and looting.
1: There were awnings of shops ablaze. People had set fire to bins. One guy beside me got clocked, uh, fell down, looked very badly injured. It was just utter chaos.
2: Anarchy followed the stabbing of five people, including three children in Parnell Square yesterday afternoon. A five-year-old girl remains in critical condition.
1: Now, it's understood that a man carrying a knife first attacked a woman before injuring three children. A number of passers-by, we understand, intervened to try and take the knife off the man in question. And then emergency services were called to the scene. They were here quite quickly. All five of the injured parties were
0: taken to various hospitals around the city centre.
2: As the capital reckons with these events, what does it mean for Ireland, its citizens and our immigrant communities?
0: If I feel like that as someone who grew up in Ireland, who has lived in Dublin for 20 years, who who loves this city uh, for all its faults, what must somebody who has come here from Africa or South America or even England or Europe feel about what happened last night?
2: I'm Tabitha Monaghan. I'm joined by technology editor for the Irish and Sunday Independent, Adrian Weckler, and Indo-Daily presenter and head of news, Kevin Doyle, to talk about anarchy on our streets and the fallout from it. Adrian, you were there last night while the rioting was taking place. Can you tell us what you witnessed?
1: Absolute chaos, I can honestly say. I've never seen anything like that in decades of living in Dublin. So, the Irish Independence Office is on Talbot Street, and that's about 700 metres away from Parnell Square, where the stabbing incident happened. Now, I arrived on the scene at the junction between Parnell Square and O'Connell Street at about six o'clock. There was already quite a tense crowd there. Over the next 30 to 45 minutes, it got bigger, it got more tense, but the nature of the crowd started to change as well. Initially, there was some chanting, there were political slogans. There were people walking up to the riot police and sort of pointing at them, all the hallmarks of what looked to me like a political element. Within half an hour, there were hundreds of young fellas between the ages of about 16 and 20, dressed very similarly, scarves around their face and they didn't seem as interested in the politics of it. They seemed more interested in creating damage. Within minutes, they started attacking a couple of Garda cars, empty Garda cars that were parked on Parnell Street, right beside where I was standing. They set it alight. One guy lit a box, threw it into the guarda car. It went up in flames. There were people in the apartments in that building. I was looking at them, looking down at the at the car in horror. Charlie charged the street then, a few minutes after that. The mob got pushed in two ways, one to Garden Street and the other down Marlborough Street towards Cahill Brewer Street. I followed them there. Same thing happened. They started setting things alight. I watched, I stood beside a tourist with a suitcase standing outside the Holiday Inn Express Hotel, watching 30 young fellas kick the windows in and try and loot the place. And he said to me, I was literally about to check in there. The guards then rushed Carl Brew Street. Riot Squad first, then the regular guards pushed us down Marlborough Street, including the guy, the tourist with the suitcase. He got a shove from one of the guards. That brought us down to Abbey Street. Same thing again. Little gala, a convenience store, was being kicked in at the time. There was hundreds there. They just appeared to me to want to do damage. I ended up getting pushed over to the south side. I thought I'd be safer there. At the far end of Temple Bar, ended up on Parliament Street. It was utter chaos. There were awnings of shops ablaze. People had set fire to bins. One guy beside me got clocked, fell down, looked very badly injured. It was just utter chaos.
2: You said there that the crowds or those who were involved, there's actually two different elements to that. It wasn't just one collective group doing this.
1: It felt to me... I was on the west side of O'Connell Street for all of this. So anyone who knows Dublin, uh, so it's the uh, Parnell Street that joins Gardner Street and then Carl Brewer Street and then the bit of Abbey Street where the Abbey Theatre would be and then over the bridge uh, that way. While I was witnessing all this with hundreds and hundreds of people, there was another mob looting Arnett's on the other side of O'Connell Alice.
2: Street. Fucked.
1: Man, it's do fucking... There were clearly different factions going on, but to your question, it did feel at the beginning that there was a political edge to it. I watched on Parnell Street, for example, as a hostel window was, was kicked in and I heard chants of get them out, get them out. But by the time we made it down to Abbey Street, there was no more political chance. It was just take what you can get. So it felt to me and and uh, it, I've heard from subsequent reporting from security correspondents that the word went out, this was a free hit on Dublin. This was like the movie The Purge. There was clearly a young criminal element here. They were enjoying it. They were having the crack. That's what it, it was. It was a frightening thing.
2: It was a huge amount of aggression. Was anybody injured?
1: I saw two or three people who were injured. One was being put into an ambulance. I saw one guy get hit, uh, but that was a fight among two individuals. It was between the guards. And then I saw one person actually fall badly injured at the feet of the guards. I couldn't make out whether it was a guard or whether it was somebody else who had hit him or whether he had gotten a firework in the face because there were a lot of fireworks going on at the same time. I will say, for all of the chaos and all of the fear, it didn't feel like the mob were pouncing on individuals. Parnell Street, for example, is a very multicultural street. There's a lot of Chinese business there, a lot of Korean businesses there, a lot of people of color there. I watched as Chinese people and Korean people and people of color they were walking in among this, and the mob didn't seem to... They weren't pointing at them. They didn't seem to want to have a go at them. They just wanted to have a go at the guards and set the guard of the cars on fire.
2: What about the The response? What did you think of the The presence?
1: It was very difficult to judge because there were so... The crowd kept getting bigger and bigger. There were so many hundreds, maybe even thousands of young fellas wearing all this uh, black gear. It did appear to me that there was a significant The presence on O'Connell Street first. Then on the street that I was on initially, Parnell Street, all of this mayhem started. It took them about 15 to 20 minutes really to get their act uh, together but they did and then maybe a bunch of maybe 10 of them 12 of them 15 of them charged the street that was enough to push the crowd back the crowd didn't really have the stomach for a full-on fight with the guards and that was the pattern for every street they locked down all of the streets to the side of O'Connell Street each time with about 15 guards I'm not a security guard I don't know whether that was a good bad or or neutral response they did turn up they were there they did eventually lock the place down but it did take them a while each time
0: we have not seen public order situation like this before. This may be um, behaviour which is apparent in other countries, but I think that we've seen an element of radicalisation. We have seen a group of people who take literally a thimble full of facts and make a, bath- a bathtub of assumptions, hateful assumptions, and then conduct themselves in a way which is riotous and, disrupt- and, and disruptive to our society we then have to respond to that in terms of our tactics and training but
2: there's no failure
0: here there's no failure this is
2: and what you and you've been in the city centre this morning? Mm. There's a lot of cleanup going on.
1: Huge cleanup. I was in uh, O'Connell Street just after seven o'clock. Was watching the wreck of the Lewis that was set on fire. Watching them remove the wreck of a of a bus that was set on fire on a Connell Street bridge. Like at one point last night, I, I you know I was walking down Marlborough Street, and every time I looked over to O'Connell Street, something was on fire. It was kind of dystopian. This morning, there's a cleanup. The wrecks are being cleared away. And yet a lot of the city is still getting back to normal.
2: Kevin Doyle, I'm going to bring you in here because we're talking about the rioting, the vandalism, et cetera, that happened last night. But this isn't the only thing that happened yesterday. Where did this all start?
0: Well, the spark really was an incident that happened on Parnell Street, which as Adrian has referenced, is a really busy street. A man attacked a number of schoolchildren. And that became obviously that broke into the news uh, yesterday afternoon, after two o'clock. And from there, it became very quick on social media that people decided that they were going to gather in protest at this. And it kind of strikes me that last night, there was a five year old little schoolgirl fighting for her life in Temple Street Children's Hospital after being stabbed in that random attack. and the response to that, was people stealing shoes out of Foot Locker on O'Connell Street and all the mayhem that Adrian has described so well. So the two things are connected, but they are so disconnected in another way.
2: What do we know about the stabbing incident? We know
0: at this point that it certainly appears to be random. We know that there is a man in hospital. He hasn't been arrested or questioned yet. He's in his 50s. He's in a serious condition, so Gary actually haven't been able to speak to him about what happened, what the motive might be. That little girl who I mentioned is in a very serious condition. There is a six-year-old girl also still in hospital, less serious, but obviously traumatized and, and hurt. There is a five-year-old boy who has since been discharged from hospital, thankfully. And then there is a woman who has been described as a teacher or a creche worker, but basically she was caring for the children. And by all accounts, she is the hero in this story because she intervened to try and save those children's lives and uh, in the process got hurt herself.
2: And there's actually, there's another hero in this story as well, which is the Brazilian Deliveroo driver who also decided to intervene when he saw something going on.
0: And I saw a, a little girl, she was fighting and she was very, very brave, you know, the man, he grabbed another one. So when I saw the knife, I just... Pull up my, my I break my bike, my motorcycle, but I took off my helmet and to protect myself and use it as a weapon, I just hit him in the head with all power I have. The scene became very tense very quickly because other people then tried to attack the man with the knife and other people had to stand in and basically say, the guards are coming, let's let the emergency personnel do their job and deal with this properly. There may well be another story about the injuries that the individual, the the suspect here, suffered as well. But the whole thing just seems to have got very chaotic very quickly. But yet there there are a number of heroes here and all that has been lost because of what happened last night.
2: There was a bit of a... um... A beloved, if you want to call it, for the man. People were trying to attack the man. So, me and a non American lady, we formed a ring around the man just to say that we're not savages in this country, that we let the guard do their duty. And going back to that, have there any arrests been made in relation to the violence last night?
0: So at this point, uh, there are 34 people who were actually arrested last night. Uh, Gardaí are going through, or will be going through, thousands of hours of CCTV footage. So we can probably expect that number to go up over the coming days. We know that there was seven vehicles damaged by the fires. Three of them were buses, three Garda cars. The Lewis, Um, there was eight other Garda cars that were damaged. And then there was several shops, including Arnott's, which was mentioned, Foot Locker, which everybody has probably seen the videos and pictures of at this stage. And there were several other shops damaged uh, as well, if not looted. Fire
1: engine. I saw a fire engine being preliminarily attacked and the fire engine had to back off. This was on Parnell Street. And it was actually somebody else told the attacker, no, 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 no. Don't, don't attack that, don't attack that. But that was Say, the nature.
2: Saying that, the the buses and the Lewises and... Fire engines. There's no logic to it.
1: No, but I'm not a sociologist. I'm not a criminologist. But I've seen elements of that nature before. I described it earlier on as a little bit like the movie The Purge of a free hit. You sometimes see very, very mild elements of that. Maybe at Halloween or the worst excesses of Paddy's Day. There is an element. Some people describe it as feral. It's usually with young men, teenagers, um, and there's an excitement to it. Like when they were rushing the guards, when the guards were rushing them, they are running away. Many of them were laughing, and they were it was they were triumphant. And it, it, it was that they this was all an amazing night to them that you know that they could talk about. When we were uh, pushed off Parliament Street, eventually, the cry went out from a couple of teenage girls. Actually, let's Brown Thomas next. Brown Thomas next. And then a bunch of them started chanting Brown Thomas and they all started moving down Dame Street. Now I moved down and by the time we got anywhere near Grafton Street, the guards had obviously copped onto that and they'd sealed uh, Grafton Street off. Um, Obviously not in time for Arnett's, but they did for Brown Thomas. That was very much the mentality. It was kind of a thuggery. It was opportunistic. It was a chance to wreck the gaff. That's what it felt like.
2: There was two different sets of Gardaí. There was the riot police, but then there was also the rank and file that yeah. were on the, on the streets as well. And so I, I wonder then, was there any Gardaí injured in this? Because there were horrific videos going on. Online. There are
0: several Gardaí have been injured. We know, thankfully, most of those are not very serious, but it is kind of a miracle, to be honest, um, given the kind of cat and mouse chase game that was going on and the violence um, that was going on, that there weren't worse injuries. But I think there's going to be a lot of questions now, Tabitha, over the whole question of how long it took the Gardaí to arrive in suitable numbers on O'Connell Street because an awful lot of damage was done before the guards were really there in any any strength.
2: So what has Drew Harris said then in response to what has happened?
0: In some ways, he, to me, as an observer, played down the significance of what had happened here because this is unprecedented. There there was people in offices all over the capital last night who couldn't get home? Taxis were, refi- including colleagues here in in our own office, taxis refused to come in. Public transport shut down. And uh, Drew Harris has talked a lot about this being a fringe lunatics. I think he we used that word at one stage. The far right. This isn't what Adrian is describing. There is not the far right. There is an element of that that was far right, anti-immigration, and that is one problem. There is another element of this which was tuggery, and that is a different social problem. And the two of those combined and the guards were, were caught on the hop. So I actually think Drew Harris has a really big problem to explain to people how this was allowed to happen and what he's going to do about it.
2: And what about Minister for Justice Helen McEntee? Because I saw her last night, she was asked about the comment that she made after Stephen Termini was attacked just outside our offices here. What she said at the time, Dublin is safe. Dublin is a safe city. And then last night that was put to her again. Do you still think that Dublin city is a safe city? And she said, this is not same issue at all. This is not about the streets being safe. This is a mob of people who are criminals and thugs. This has nothing to do with that. These are people who have come into our city centre who are criminals and will be treated as such. This is not about general safety. What do you make of that?
0: Well, it is the same issue because Dublin doesn't feel safe and that matters. So if we go back to the summer when there was that attack uh, literally across the road from where we're sitting now on the American tourist Stephen Termini And there was a huge outroar and there was acres of coverage uh, in the papers and and online. And we did podcasts on it at the time. And something was going to be done. And Helen McEntee had that horrific press call where she walked down Talbot Street and it just backfired completely because it just looked so at odds with the reality. Flanked by Gardaí. And those of us who are in the city centre every day know it's not safe. It hasn't felt safe for a long time, but particularly since COVID, something happened where the streets were taken over by an element who now feel like they own them. And it's about feeling safe. So it's not that necessarily Adrian's going to walk out of this building in a few minutes and get mugged, but Adrian's going to go out of this building in a few minutes and he's going to make sure that he has his hand on his phone in his pocket at the same time because it doesn't feel safe. So when Helen Mackenzie says it's not about feeling safe, Last night was one thing. We're not going to have that every night of the year, thank God. But every night of the year, people walking out in the, in the city centre of Dublin don't feel safe. And that is one element. The far right, which is where Drew Harris is very much focusing a lot of his commentary today. There is no doubt that they have been stoking things. There is no doubt that they have been driving this sentiment online, this anti-immigration sentiment, and that's probably a bigger issue for the government in some ways, in opposed to the policing, because those people feel like they have no voice. We're unusual in this country in that we don't have a far right party. There is no far right representation in Dal air, And unlike what we've seen in the Netherlands, for example, in recent days, in Italy, in places in, in, in England, we don't have that here. But there is this bubbling tension there now. And how that plays out is a very big political problem, I think.
2: Adrian. Kevin referenced there about the far right, but also what about the organisation of how this came about, how everybody knew to gather in the city centre?
1: Anyone who was on social media last night would have seen videos via WhatsApp or Telegram channels or other social media channels used to essentially put the word out. In some cases, there were direct calls to action, those who were involved in the far right. But in other cases, it was just there's you know, there's a lark going down in the city centre, you know, come on in. This is going to be a particular problem for a number of reasons, because it was very effective last night. We are still trying to get to grips with how to do that. We have now commissioned a man and, and the online safety commissioner. They are yet to get fully up and running on this. There's a lot of tension between the platforms in terms of freedom of speech and encryption and policing. uh, This is going to be a big problem. That's before you throw AI into all of this and bad actors who might try to potentially disrupt things like elections next year, for example, might try and and, and provoke uh, something like this. So we're in a very, very delicate situation now.
2: And Kevin, how this all started, there was these undertones that it was anti-immigrant, anti-immigration. So you do wonder how those immigrants in Ireland are feeling today.
0: Well, obviously, Tavita, I can't speak for any immigrants in Ireland, but I can tell you how I'm feeling. And from that, I think we can extract how somebody who is more the target of this than I am feels. I'm not an emotional person. As a journalist for many years, you get kind of hard about these things, you get hard about tragedies and you're able to process them in a journalistic way. I had a knot in my stomach all last night. I went home from work here to make sure that I got to put my little girl to bed because the thought of a little girl coming out of school and being attacked like that was sickening to me. To see then what followed, I was embarrassed for Dublin. And then I'm going, why am I embarrassed for Dublin? Because this isn't Dublin. But it is mortifying to see this story go all around the world and the images, the pictures are unbelievable of what we've seen. So, if I feel like that as someone who grew up in Ireland, who has lived in Dublin for 20 years, who who loves this city uh, for all its faults, what must somebody who has come here from Africa or South America or even England or Europe feel about what happened last night? Anecdotally, I've heard stories this morning of parents from immigrant families who are worried not wanting to send their children to school in case something else flares up. Uh, people who didn't want to come to work in the city today because they didn't want to be on public transport. And, you know, we've, we've seen some on social media trying to articulate the lack of understanding for them because they are us. This, this country needs them. We, we could not function without immigrants. And in truth, for every immigrant that is causing trouble, there are multiple, multiple, multiple Irish people causing trouble because people are good and people are bad. Some people are Irish and some people have come here from elsewhere. We're all the same. It doesn't matter. And I can only hope that those people realise that what happened last night is, as Adrian described, a few opportunistic tugs and a few hardliners who have decided for whatever reason that whatever problems they face is the fault of somebody else.
2: Kevin Doyle, Adrian Weckler. Thank you. I'm Tabitha Monaghan, and today's episode was produced by D-Ready, researched by Mary Carroll and Gareth Mulhall, with sound by John Smith. Archive clips from The Irish Independent, Sky News, RTE News, RTE Primetime and News Talk. When you get an Irish Independent digital subscription, you don't just get access to the news at your fingertips. For a limited time, you'll also receive a €75 O'Neill's gift card. So what are you waiting for? Get the whole kit and caboodle. Visit independent.ie forward slash subscribe today. Irish Independent. Terms and conditions
1: apply.